for the reading of God's word. First Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. God's word reads, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when we could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as you sit down, hold your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and turn briefly to the right to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Now, look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians 2, verse 12 reads... Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I want us to notice three key details in that verse. One, notice who Paul is writing to. Paul is not writing to unbelievers, telling them how to get saved. Look back at chapter 1 of Philippians, verse 1. Paul, it says, is writing to who? To all the saints in Christ Jesus, along with the overseers, or your text may say bishops or elders and deacons. Paul here is writing to the saints in Philippi. He's writing to believers, And chapter 2, verse 12 of Philippians is no exception. That's why he says in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, this verse is for fellow beloved believers in Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want us to notice as your eyes turn that way 
is to bring it back here. The first thing I want us to notice is that this verse is not for unbelievers. This verse is written to believers, people that are already saved. Second, notice what Paul does not say in verse 12. Paul does not say, work for your own salvation. Every false religion on the planet says in one way or another, work for your salvation. Islam tells everyone to perform the five pillars of faith and then you will save yourself. You will have worked for your own salvation. Buddhism teaches that you can earn your salvation when you do the middle path, when you follow the four noble truths and you follow the eightfold path in addition to that. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, all of them, they say in one way or another, save yourself. Work for your own salvation. Please go to the next slide. This is not working. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 debunks all that and says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that no man may boast. Next slide. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us. God has saved us through Jesus and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace but because of his own purpose and grace that he granted us in Christ Jesus before time began. Next slide, Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, He saved us not by the righteous deeds we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of the new birth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Look again at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul does not say, Work for your own salvation. Why? Because that's unbiblical and it's impossible to do so. Next slide. Romans chapter 3 verse 19 says, For by the works of the law, doing righteous deeds, no human being will be justified in his, in God's sight. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Amen? It is not by works that we are saved. Third, notice in this verse what Paul does say. He says, work out your own salvation. What does that mean? In a nutshell, it means live like it. Live like it. He's talking to believers, people who have already been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, and he's saying live like it. He's saying your sin has been paid for. Your heart's been changed. You've been given eternal life. Jesus is now your Savior and Lord. Live like it. You've received this. Now work it out. Make sure it touches every aspect of who you are and every aspect of your life. Live like it. That's why starting in verse 14 and following, there's a list of various ways a believer is supposed to live like it. A believer receives the grace of salvation of God and he's supposed to work it out into his life. Permeate every part of his life. Live like it. On the count of three, let's say live like it. One, two, three. Live like it. That is what we're supposed to do. 
And praise God, he helps us, because on our own, we'd be really bad at it, right? I know you, you know me. Look at verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Once we are saved, we're called to take what we have received and work it into the rest of our entire existence. And praise God, God enables us to do that. He does that. He helps us do that. Now, with all of that, with all of that concerning salvation in mind, listen, like salvation, like every believer has salvation, every believer also has fellowship with one another. Like every believer has salvation, every believer has fellowship with one another. We discussed fellowship last week. It means to share. It means to partner in. It means to be in communion with. And you and I, if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I have fellowship with one another. You and I share the same Savior and Lord. You and I are both indwelt with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You and I both have the same and submit to the same word of God. You and I are you and I are family. We are part of the family of God. We're part of the body of Christ. You and I have as Christians fellowship. Just like the believer has salvation, the believer as a result of salvation has fellowship has fellowship. First John, what is it, chapter 3, verse 6 says we have fellowship, or chapter 1, verse 6, we have fellowship with one another. We share in all of these things. We have this union, this communion together. And listen, just like the believer has salvation, and the Bible says work it out, live like it, The Bible says every believer has fellowship, and the Bible commends us and calls us to live like it. To live like you and I are of the same family. To live like you and I are going to the same eternal home to be with each other forever. To live like you and I are fellow soldiers for Christ. Just like salvation, just like every believer has salvation, and in that salvation, they're called to, we're called to work it out, live it. Every believer has fellowship, and we're called to live it out, live like it. Now turn back to our passage today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. What is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3? It's Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy living like it. They understand and believe that they have fellowship with one another, with fellowship with other believers, and they live like it. And we're going to see them live like it in six different ways. First, we're going to see that Paul and Silvanus treasure, next slide, treasured fellow believers like they were of the same family. They treasured fellow believers. Look at 1 Thessalonians Chapter 3, verse 1, therefore, when we could bear it no longer. Stop right there. Let's get some context. Just a few months prior to this, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy were used by God to lead the Thessalonians to the Lord. 
They proclaimed the gospel, and God used that proclamation to save multiple Thessalonians, and the Thessalonian church was started, and as a result of this salvation, the believers in Thessalonica, what did they mean to Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy? They were now family. They were now, you could say, closer than blood, right? They were now both in Christ and in the same body and in this together. And they lived like it. Turn, look back at chapter 2, verse 7. How did they act amongst them? Chapter 2, verse 7. But it says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy treated these people like a nursing mother, taking care of their own children. They treated them like family, with the utmost care and affection. Look at verse 11. It says they treated him like a loving father who treats their kids. Treated him like family. Look at chapter 2, verse, what is it, 20. For you, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, speaking of the Thessalonians, for you are our glory and joy. Like a parent takes joy in their kids, these people, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, took joy in the Thessalonians. They treated them like family. They had fellowship with them and they lived like it. Amen. Then what happened? Persecution happened, right? And that persecution forced Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to leave. And here, in verse 1, it's a few months later. And just how eager are Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to hear how the Thessalonians are doing? The text says they could bear it no longer. Parents, just imagine being ripped away from your kids. You're unable to see them. You can't see them. You can't know how they're doing. What would you be thinking day in and day out? You'd be saying, I can't bear it no longer. I need to see you. I need to be with you. I need to at least know how you're doing. They treasured those whom they had fellowship. And that raises a question for us today. And the question is, are we living this way? If you and I are believers in Jesus Christ, you and I have fellowship with one another. We're of the same family. But if you and I weren't to see each other for a month, would we even notice? Would we even care? Would the words, I can bear this no longer, even come close to what we're genuinely thinking. You know, overall, as a church, I think we do this well. I think we really treasure each other. I think of the mill train. I think of the prayer train. I think of connect groups. I think of Bible study. I think of the simple thing that Sue came up with in the bulletin. So writing the thinking of you card for Frank Pratt, what a great way to say we treasure you. I think in so many ways, FBC does this so well. But we all know deep down what? There's room to grow, amen? amen? Absolutely there's room to grow. What's one way we can grow in this? What's one simple application of this? Simple application that came to mind, hopefully as of God, is call. Simple application, call. Let me say it this way. My grandparents on my dad's side they lived in Nevada and we lived in California and my dad I remember this so vivid 
because it was just an always. Every single Sunday afternoon, what did he do? He made sure to call his parents to check in and say, how are you doing? I care about you. I treasure you. I can't be with you right now. I can't be with you all the time, but I treasure you. And it just left a mark. You ask any of my siblings, what did dad do on Sunday? He's like, oh, he called. He cared. I think that's an awesome application for us in light of this. You know, so-and-so doesn't show up to church on Sunday. They don't come to a connect group. And we say, wow, like, I can bear it. I can't wait till next week when they might come back. I need to call. I need to reach out. I want to know how they're doing. I want to know if they need any help. I'm going to call. I think it's the very, that's what essentially Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy doing, are doing in sending Timothy to these people. They're giving him a call, saying, where are you at? What's going on? How can we help? Very practical thing. Not a scary, cultish thing, but a very loving and awesome thing. Isn't it awesome when someone notices your absence, gives you a call, says, I care about you. I just want to see where you're at and make sure everything's okay. Wow, what a simple thing we could do as the body of Christ. I need to work on this. This is something we can really dive into. So what's the first way Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy lived out their fellowship? They have fellowship with God. They have fellowship with one another. This is one of the ways they work it out. We can bear it no longer. We're not going to wait till maybe we see again. We're going to reach out to each other. The next way they do this is they sacrifice for fellow believers like Christ. Go ahead and go to the next slide, yes. Look at verse 1 again. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, now look at this next phrase, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith. You know, you read the book of Acts, and what are you going to find concerning Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy? You're going to find such a tight-knit trio. Such a group that serves together, that suffers together, that is so close. Multiple places in First and Second Timothy, uh, Paul calls Timothy his, his son in the faith. They are close. They're ministering together. They have need of each other concerning all the persecution they faced. And due to certain circumstances, Paul and Silvanus, they couldn't go back to Thessalonica. But in spite of their need of Timothy, they send Timothy. They say, your interest, Thessalonians, is more important than our own. We need Timothy, but we're going to send him to you anyway. And what is he going to do when he gets there? He's going to establish and exhort you in the faith. He's going to not be served by you. He is going to serve you with all of his heart. And later we find that they're sending Timothy so that they could rejoice over these people's success, so they could pray over their needs. Like Christ, like Christ, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy considered the Thessalonians more important than themselves. At cost, at personal cost, they send Timothy to serve. 
Next slide, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. And when you consider others more important than yourselves, what do you do? You sacrifice for others. Jesus is the perfect example of this, is he not? Next slide, Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. He emptied, or your text may say, poured himself out. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And here, like Christ, yes, in a lesser way, but still like Christ, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy are putting the interest of the Thessalonians above their own. And this is not just what Christ did and what Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy were doing. This is what God wants all of us to do, right? Go to the next slide. It says in 1 John 3, 16, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And the response and reaction is what? And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Look at those last three words. For the brothers. Brothers, the context is the church. If we are believers in fellowship with one another, we are family and God wants us to live like it to what degree that we're willing to lay down our lives, as the text says, for the brothers. Now once again, I think, I think this is happening in so many ways at FBC. I simply think of the budget right? Missionaries, we support almost a third of all that is given is sent towards missionaries. What is it? Just over $94,000. We have planned as a congregation to sacrifice that for them, to put their needs above our own in that way. What a beautiful thing. God is working in us in that way. I think of a benevolence fund. Every time we have communion, what happens? We encourage to give to the Benevolence Fund to sacrifice financially so that others who are in need can be lifted up in that financial way. I just look down through the aisles. It's really easy to see in looking at you. Just It's so easy to remember how many of you give of your talent, give of your skill, sacrifice for one another, working out your fellowship in Christ with one another. It is absolutely awesome, but you know what I'm going to say. There's always room to grow, amen? amen. We want to love more and more. We want this fellowship that we have in Christ to be worked out among us more and more. And the question is, for each of us today, how can you, how can I live out, work out this fellowship through sacrifice for one another? How can we do that today? How can we pour ourselves out for each other all the more? So Paul, Timothy, and Silvanus live out their fellowship by treasuring fellow believers, sacrifice for fellow believers. And the next one is, they warn potential believers from the beginning like Christ. Look at verse 2. This is very interesting. I think this is a huge need. Verse 2. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in the faith 
to serve you. Verse 3, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For Now look at this. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. And that whole sentence is in regard to the afflictions. Saying, you know that you were destined for affliction. You know that you were destined for tribulation. For when we were with you, verse 4, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass. And just as you know. Typically, when the gospel is shared today, in a church or in various settings, you could say typically, I don't know every instance, but typically, we, when we're sharing the gospel, we share the benefits of following Christ. Hey, if you turn away from your sin and follow Christ, you're going to receive eternal life. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You are going to see, receive fellowship with the body of Christ. You're going to gain understanding of the word of God. You're going to receive and bear fruit for the kingdom. Benefit, 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 benefit. And yes, all of those need to be emphasized so much when we are sharing the gospel, when we're talking to potential believers but what is so often left out of the presentation? I know I've done it. What is so often left out of the presentation of the gospel? What is so often left out is sin, yes, which needs to be in there. We need the problem and the solution. But what is so often left out is the fact of persecution. The fact of persecution. Next slide. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all, no exceptions, neither you and I, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Next slide. Jesus said in John 15.20, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. You want to know what I think concerning the professions, all the professions of faith and then all the fallings away? I think this is part of what's happening. We present the benefit. We say, turn away from sin. See the benefit of Christ. See the benefit. See the benefit. And a person's willing to sign up for all the benefits. But we've done a disservice to them because we've forgotten to mention the cost. We've forgotten to mention the persecution. So a person makes this excited profession of faith, right? They begin to try to walk that way, and then they hit a wall. It's like the parable of the source. Satan comes and tries to pluck them out. And when they say, well, I was just promised benefit. I was never told that this was going to be a hard life of persecution, which Satan's get me... Demons are against me. The world hates me like they hated Christ. I wasn't told this. Forget this. But Paul, Timothy, and Sylvanus, they didn't do that. It's from the beginning. From the beginning. Telling them beforehand that they were going to suffer affliction. That they were destined for this. They were destined for all the benefits of Christ. But also destined to a life in which they would suffer for Christ. 
I think this is something I need to work on. I think this is something we could really think about and work on concerning our presentation of the gospel. When we're witnessing, when we're saying become a Christian, become a part of the fellowship, yes, we need to communicate the benefits, let's call them, of salvation. But we also need to communicate, we need to be a full disclosure. We need to share the cost. We need to share that there's going to be persecution. And a person might say to that, John, who's ever going to come to faith if I share the benefits? And then I say, by the way, you're going to suffer for the rest of your existence on earth. Who's going to do that? John, when we have the Snakes Alive outreach in the park, and you get up at the end of it, and you say, come to Christ, and by the way, there's going to be a cost. If you come to Christ, you will suffer for it. It's a promise in the Bible. John, no one's going to walk forward. You know what? That's not my responsibility. And that's not your responsibility. Our responsibility is to communicate the whole seed of the gospel. And the only one who will ever bring growth and salvation is the Holy Spirit. And God doesn't want a partial presentation of his truth. He doesn't want an uninformed people. He wants us to present the gospel in the fullest. Benefits and hardships that will result. And he will produce the fruit. So snakes alive, expect me to get up there. I'm going to say, hey everybody, we encourage you to come to Christ. But I want, you to, I want to warn you. I want to warn you. As a result of making this confession, you will be persecuted. There is a cost to this. And obviously I'm going to emphasize it's worth it. And all of you would say the same thing. You would say there's been costs for you following Christ, and you would all say it's worth it. And we want that clear from the get-go, like Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy were clear from the get-go with these people. So the next opportunity that you and I have to share the gospel, let's be clear and let's give full disclosure. Let's absolutely be unashamed. Absolutely unashamed of the entirety of God's gospel and let him produce the fruit of this. So Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they're working out their fellowship by treasuring fellow believers like family, sacrificing for fellow believers like Christ, from the get-go, they're warning potential believers from the beginning. Now let's go to the next slide, and we're going to see that they checked in. They checked in on believers like good soldiers of Christ. Looked at verse 9. Or, excuse me, verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, verse 5, I sent to learn about you, Paul specifically speaking. He's the specific author amongst the three. I sent to learn about you, your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had come to you and our labor would be in vain. This makes me think of just a few days ago, Kimberly and I got a message from uh, a youth leader at a previous church, and this youth leader shared with us all these what we thought were solid youth, solid members of the youth group who now seven years later want nothing to do with Christ. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. And at the same time as your heart breaks for this, I just want to take my foot and kick myself in the face. Why? Because I know in those seven years my connection with these various youth that I ministered with and have fellowship with was sparing 
I wasn't checking in. Paul, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they did check in. They're, they're wanting to know. They know that these people, like themselves, are in a war. They know that Satan is roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And they check in for the purpose of, how are you doing? How can we help? Be there for them. And the application of, the first, of this one is the same as the first. The application would be call. It would be check in. We have fellowship with one another. We're the family of Christ. We need to check in. This past week, Elena, oh, where is she? Oh, she's over there. All right. This past week, Elena was at camp. And I understand it, but there's one thing that drives me nuts about Camp Barakal is I can't call my kid to see how they're doing. I know she wouldn't want that, but I can't do it. And it just drove me nuts. And when she got back and we were on the car ride home and she's super tired from the week, I absolutely bombarded her with questions. I was like, did you have fun? Was this fun? Was this good? What did you learn? What did the speaker say? Did anyone treat you badly? <laughs> Was anyone? I'll take care of them. <laughs> I just, I needed to know. Check in with her, see where she's at, anything I need to do. That's exactly what they're doing. They're away from them. The war against Satan doesn't stop. It's always, it's a 24-7 thing. Let me say it another way. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, You are not only a part of a family of Christ, but you are a soldier of Christ. That you and I are not only in the same family, but you and I are in the same army. The same army. And the war that you and I are fighting is 24-7, 365. All the time. Against principalities and powers. Against all the unbelieving world. And you are in this war together. Just imagine as a fellow soldier of Christ, if I were to say, oh yeah, fellow soldier so-and-so, they haven't showed up for a week. No big deal. I don't know where they're at. I don't know if they're being attacked or not. Well, I hope I see them soon and then I'm going to find out. What a terrible soldier, right? That's the last person you want by your side fighting. You won't want someone that's going to check in. Say, where are you at? I care about you. I need to support you. You're a fellow soldier of Christ. These guys, they, these Paul, Savannah, and Timothy, they have fellowship with these people and it's working itself out in their life. They're checking in with one another. Now, let's move to verse 9, and let's see the next thing. They rejoice over fellow believers' faith like Christ. Look at, like, look at verse 9. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy we feel for your sake before our God. 
God. They send Timothy, come, Timothy, Timothy comes back, there's good news, they're staying strong in the Lord, and it's just, wow, praise God, give thanks to God, I'm rejoicing over you. He writes this letter and says, I'm rejoicing over the fact of your faith that it's so strong. I rejoice over the success of your ministry. Absolutely. It reminds me of the show, um, oh, with the 19 kids. Bringing up Bates. Raise your hand if you've seen that show. It's a great show. All right. Well, it's like this rose. All right. <laughs> it's an awesome show. Christian family, 19 kids. And they do something at every person's birthday. They rejoice over the person. Uh, not just the fact that they're this age, but they sit the person down. Everyone in the family sits around them and says, wow, we've seen God work in you this way this year. We really appreciate how you've acted this way. God gave you the strength to do this this year. And just watching this is encouraging. It's absolutely awesome to see people rejoicing in others. And this is what Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy do. They rejoice in the success of others. How awesome would it be if you came knowing that you could bring what God has done through you this week or today and you could share that and you know that everyone around you at FBC is going to say, praise God, is going to rejoice with you, not say, oh, I wish that was me. And this is what we're called to do, to rejoice with those who are rejoicing to take the fellowship we have in Christ with one another and work it out in this way. Now let's look at the last thing we see in this passage. They prayed for fellow believers like Christ. Look at verse 10. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Little note on that last phrase, lacking in your faith. That's not a slap upside the head. That's saying, I want to serve you. We're all growing in Christ, and I want to be part of your growth. And in that, they pray. And look at the, the frequency which with they pray. They pray earnestly, and they pray day and night for each other. They have this communion with one another, this unity together in Christ, and it's working itself out through prayer. Did you know praying for one another is not an option? Ephesians 6.18 commands us to make supplications unto the Lord for one another. Not an option. God wants us to take the fellowship we have in Christ and exercise that, work it out in our daily life. And one way we do that is by lifting each other up in prayer. Isn't it awesome to know when someone, when you, when you share a prayer request and that person says, I'm going to pray for you, and it's not this flippant, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, but I'll forget in the next 10 minutes. But you actually know that they're praying for you. And they come back to you and say, I've been praying for you. Where are you at? Isn't that so uplifting? Amen. That's what's going on here. And that's what we need to be. I encourage you so much. I encourage you so much. Focus for this year at the church is prayer. I encourage you so much. This Wednesday, come to the amphitheater. Come to prayer night. Pray over the snakes alive. Let's pray for each other. Let's, do, let's take this fellowship we have and work it out together. And let's pray 
for one another. Lift each other up. I encourage you, uh, in the pew in front of you, there's like a picture directory. Everyone grab that right now. All right, just grab it, take it. All right, Angie may be mad at me for this, but if you don't already have one of these, take this home. And as a family or as a couple or as an individual, and just night after night, go through and just say, tonight we're, we're praying for the Furmans. Tonight we're praying for Terry. Tonight we're praying for Jerry. Tonight we're praying. I'm going to do this by the power of God, obviously, only him working through us. We're going to have this. I have fellowship with all these people you see in there, and I'm going to work it out. I'm leaning, obviously, with the strength that only God provides. Only with the strength God provides. We've seen all this today. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they treasure, they sacrifice, they warn, they check in, they rejoice, they pray for each other. Fellowship is what they have in Christ, and they're working it out into every area of their life. May we like they followed Christ's example. You know, so what? John 17's got to be my favorite passage in the Bible right now because what does Jesus do? He prayed for you and he prays for me. Right now he's interceding for you and he's interceding for me. That's what Paul, Silas, and Timothy are doing for these people and that's what we get to do in Christ for one another. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, you are awesome and just and holy and so mighty. And I just thank you, Lord, for the rich and awesome fellowship that we have at this church. I just thank you for all the ways you are working in us right now. And I just pray that I myself and everyone here that we would continue to strive to have this fellowship with one another, we would work it out with each other. That we would treasure, that we would sacrifice for one another, check in with one another, pray for one another. That we would truly be a family of God more and more. Right now in the quietness of your own heart, think about your fellowship, how it's working out in your life, and ask God, or praise God for how it is being worked out, and ask God to work it out all the more.